Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. Why, hello, and welcome to episode 257 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the first episode of March 2019, and a special chat with Mondo artist, Kaiju fan, and Kaiju Cast collaborator, Tom Whalen. More news on that during the interview, but I'm super psyched to both have had the opportunity to interview an artist whom I admire so much and to share this episode and its corresponding merch release with you, the listener. I'm not going to front here. There's a fair amount of gushing going on in this episode. I am a huge fan of Tom's work, and if you're unfamiliar with that work, I've included many links in the show notes so that you can hopefully follow along during the chat. Obviously, make sure to click on those over at kaijucast.com before, during, or after you enjoy this episode. Now, I asked Tom if there were any particular monster music cues he enjoyed from the expanse of kaiju cinema. So we'll kick things off with one of his favorites, Godzilla Arrives by Akira Ifukube from Terror of Mechagodzilla, and then we'll dive right into the interview. And make sure you stick around afterwards for more information about this collaboration. Now, I have been following this month's guest and his work for a long, long time. In fact, back in 2010, I came across some fan art from a guy, I think on DeviantArt, named Strong Stuff, that really blew me away. And the artist's name is Tom Whalen. Tom, welcome to the KaijuCast. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. This is legitimately, I'm not making this up. This is one of my favorite podcasts. So I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it tonight. 
Well, I'm going to remain calm since you complimented me <laughs> and say thanks so much for listening, first of all, because that was uh, really amazing when you mentioned that. It's always crazy to me when people recognize me from one thing or another because I don't really extend myself out there too much. And uh, just for you know, an artist that I look up to to have listened to the podcast, I'm like seriously thrilled about it. Well, it's mutual. So it's it's fun to be part of something that I'm a fan of. So um, I guess we should keep patting each other on the backs for the rest of the night. That's going to probably happen. So uh, okay, let me good. let me continue by saying, uh, if you have not seen Tom Whalen's stuff, there, of course, will be links in the show notes to his website uh, and his personal Twitter and so forth. And basically what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about his love for giant monsters and his love for art. And we are also going to talk about a little project that we worked on together. Uh, so, Tom, I'm curious, how did you first find Godzilla? I, the earliest way I can trace it back, I remember um, my aunt lived with my grandmother, and she was one of the first people I knew to have a VCR. So every time I would go to visit my grandmother, they would tape everything that I would, they would think I would like off of the TV. So there was a library of Godzilla films that they, they had recorded for me and I watched over and over and over. And it was, it was mostly the seventies stuff. And that has always stuck with me. And that's really where I, you know, point back to as far as that's the earliest memory I have of, of Godzilla and, and really what turned me on to, uh, to this, this silly, fandom that I have never let go of. <laughs> yes, silly and yet at the same time the best in the world. Exactly, exactly. So the 70s movies. So uh I'm imagining if you saw them on recorded off TV, they might have been like The Smog Monster and maybe Mechagodzilla. Yep. yep, and um Megalon, which still remains one of my most favorite just because of the 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 memories it brings back for me. Um and I forget the year on Godzilla's Revenge. That might have been late '60s, but that was another, another one that I know I know is not revered in, in fandom, but it strikes a chord for me. Well, we are definitely Godzilla's Revenge appreciatists here. Yes, and yes. we like. I definitely hold the idea. I hold on to the idea that this movie was essentially one of the better Godzilla movies, and the fact that like Honda wrote this or Honda made this film as a teaching method, as a story to children. And he was speaking directly to them. I know. And so I, when I, like I, older fans are just like the, when older fans trash talk Godzilla's revenge, I get upset. <laughs> I agree. And I, I completely see it that way. And I, my daughter is, my son is 10. My daughter is six and I want to show her a film. And I really think that's, she's ready for that now. Uh, that's, that's where I'm, that's her going to be her entry point. Awesome. I'm sure she'll be like, Daddy, why are all these kids running around unsupervised? <laughs> yes, why <laughs> Why are they being held at gunpoint in an abandoned warehouse? So what are some of your other favorite Godzilla films? Or it, let's uh, even extend it past Godzilla into other kaiju films. Um, uh, as far as Godzilla goes, I'm a fan of pretty much, I mean, I can watch, I can sit down and watch anything, any of them. I, I love them all for their own, on their own merit. Um, uh, the, I'm a big fan of the Heisei series and even the the craziness, as far as I'm concerned, of the restarting every other movie continuity wise in the in the Millennium series is fun for me. Um, 
as far as non Godzilla movies, the the obviously the three, uh, the the Gamera trilogy from the nineties is is great. Ooh, and, nice. Yes. And I'm trying to think of any outside of Godzilla that that I've seen that stick out. Have you ever checked out the Daimajin series? No, I haven't. It's, but it's, I've heard a lot. Yeah, it's always one of the one of the. It's another trilogy from the Daiei era um, of movies. But basically, that's another one that I always suggest to people. Shot in the '60s, it's totally old school, and it's yeah. uh, like Daimajin isn't gigantic, doesn't have like crazy beam powers, but he's got right. crazy powers, and it's yeah. it's a really fun movie. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to check that out too. And and uh, Ultraman, I'll throw that in there too. The, oh yeah, the original series and. Th- that's something that got away from me. I-, I I'm a fan of the original series. I didn't watch it as a kid. I, I discovered it later, uh, and I love it. And I love how r- that flat out ridiculous it is. But I and I know it's continued on since the '60s. But I I don't know anything past that original series. You know, that's honestly, and when you're talking about Ultraman, that's one of my favorites. Anyway, it's just like the very first series. I've yeah. seen some of the newer things, but yeah, like going back to the originals, I love the original Science Patrol. Yeah. I love all the monsters. Uh, you know, that series has some really crazy monster designs. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever actually like dipped into the monster design universe, like tried to like make your own kaiju? You know, you've got a very strong Not- sense of style, so... Not recently. Um, when I was a kid, when when I would start, when I just started to draw seriously, I would um, I, I read faith, re- religiously the uh, uh, official handbook of the Marvel Universe. I don't know if you remember those, but they were like basically character guides for from A to Z for oh, yeah. every everybody in Marvel. And that was, I mean, I lived inside those books. And the DC Who's Who was the DC equivalent of those. So I would create teams of giant monsters and teams of superheroes and underwater villains and snake people. And uh, I, I, I don't, unfortunately, have a lot of time now to develop my own um, own characters because I have, a, a, you know, a lot of corporate work going on. But I actually, I can't talk about it yet, but there's a project coming up uh, that I am super excited about um, that has something to do with large monsters. So it, it I don't mean to... <laughs> be so cryptic but there there may be some original designs coming and i'm pretty excited about it very awesome so if the listeners don't know tom has been working with licensed properties for quite a while and this is probably a great time to start talking about your artwork i don't know how, how would you describe your style i know i could probably you know try my hand at it but i'm assuming you might actually have something you know, in your I, pocket already. i don't have i don't have a stock response i really? i i really try to combine Illustration and design, I guess, is the quickest, the easiest way um, with typography where I can apply it. But uh, a simple, graphic, clean style with minimal lines and uh, an efficiency of color and curve, I guess, is the, the, the best way I can put it. It's very apt that you say those things. <laughs> because, yeah, we're talking about uh, uh, earlier listeners, we were talking about a piece that... Uh, just came out from the Sci-Fi Channel, and it's a YouTube video, and it's Tom explaining how he works in Adobe Illustrator. Specifically, he's working on camera on a RoboCop piece, and he really just nailed home like all of those elements that he described from his style like in that video. I'll actually uh, link that in the show notes as well. Cool. I was going to say that you have a very strong silhouetted style earlier 
it, but that's more of like earlier in your career. So when I found you, I think those Godzilla posters are almost entirely silhouettes, especially the yeah. Geeter, the three-headed monster one. Yeah, they're very simple silhouettes. And I, I find I, I'm, I gravitate, I don't know what it is about a silhouette, but or you know, a side view, a side profile view of any character. That's just my comfort zone. When I, when I have to sit down and start sketching for a poster design, which usually, for some films, I, I did a, a poster for uh, Civil War. And uh, there's obviously a lot of characters on that in that film, and uh, I, I always find a, a good anchor point for a visual is is a silhouette. So I don't know what it is. I'm sure other artists feel that way too. It's just a nice, clean representation of a character. You know, I also love that uh, some of your pieces have a real nice motion to them. When your eye does that thing where it follows from one person's gaze to another object, and then that mm-hmm. sort of takes your eye into a different direction as well. I just, you have a really strong sense of that kind of balance, I think. Thank you. Yeah, I, I really sell myself on composition. I, I think that's the most important, when, especially with a poster, where, where like I said, there's a, uh, a lot of elements that I have to pull together and form into a composition that tells a little bit of the movie's story. Um, the composition to me is the most important part that has to be nailed first before I can get into, into rendering anything else or, or getting into details or facial expression. It just, it has to be, it has to work visually and flow and have a rhythm to it. So yes, as, as a fellow art person, I don't want to call myself (laughs) a designer necessarily, but like you're using all these phrases that I haven't heard since art school. <laughs> and it's, it's really taking me back. I had a, I had, I mean, sorry for the digression listeners, but no. basically I had a 2d and a 3d teacher when I was in college, but this was before what you would currently today call like 3d work. You know, it was way before we were using computers in any yeah. facility in that school. Yep. And, uh, what we were using for 2D was a piece of either black paper or white paper and then cut out shapes that we would, uh, out of the opposite color, white paper or black paper, that you would drop onto this, you know, this canvas. And then you would literally have to like shuffle the pieces around, move them around until you found something that wasn't too far off from the natural drop of things. But that like made a good composition. That's great. That's a great exercise. Man, I struggled so hard in that class and I thought I did really terribly in it. And then we went to the 3D class, which had the exact same professor. And instead of using paper, you're using foam core and uh, much larger pieces that create, um, they create a flat image like dropping the, the paper on the other paper for the, the previous class. Right. Uh, but instead of it being a flat thing, you're making a, you're making depth by making a shadow box essentially. Wow. Uh, and like, it was probably a couple of years before I really learned to appreciate what he taught me about composition. But it was definitely many, many years before I realized how unique of a class that was and how it really, really taught me things in a way I would not have been able to think about about 3D space and about composition within 3D space too. Yeah, I I totally had a similar experience my first year at, at in college. I I had never had art training, any kind of formal art training before I got to college. And I remember sitting through 
2D design and uh, intro to drawing. And the professor was, for the drawing class especially, was pretty tuned into composition of paintings and, and artwork. And I was so lost. And it didn't click. In, like, now it clicks. But it did not click until years later what he was explaining. Uh, probably a very similar experience to you. But it's it's funny how that stuff can soak in and not and not bloom for a while. Absolutely. And actually, uh, speaking of, you know, things changing. So like I said, when I first met your work, you were doing a lot of heavy silhouettes. Yep. And then I want to say that I actually kind of stopped following your work for a little while, not for any good reason. But then I came back to your work and I was like, whoa, you have really, like, really blown up your style and rearranged it in a way that of course, it seems very you. Like, I don't think I've seen anybody else that does your style at all. Uh, and especially when you're talking about these kinds of posters. And if listeners are not aware, Tom works with a company called Mondo and ends up making alternate limited release posters, I think you would say, right? For uh, yep, for yep. these movies. So it's anything from like a movie that will appear at the Alamo Draft House, like a rare screening of Roger Rabbit, you know, or... Uh, like he was mentioning earlier, he did something for Civil War, which I'm assuming you did when it came out. Uh, yeah, I did that right around when it came out. Yeah. So Tom's been working with these uh, these licenses for quite a while. How did you actually get involved with the licenses? Uh, that started in about 2010 when Mondo first contacted me. The reason I, I, I really believe the reason I got on their radar was there's a theater in the town next to me called the Colonial Theater, and it's actually the theater where the Blob was filmed, the 1950s version. Oh, of the Blob. rad! That's awesome. It's the it's the it's the actually it's the theater that they run out of. Uh, there's a yellow marquee outside, and it's still there to this day. And they they have a Blob Fest every year in town in Phoenixville. It's it's really cool. So they run a um for what's called First Friday Fright Nights. First Friday of every month, they have a horror movie. Uh, that they screen at like 10 o'clock at night. And it's a really cool program. And in about, I would say, early 2010, I contacted them and said, would you guys be interested in me designing a poster for each one of your screenings? So they did, that year, they did Aliens. They did Fifth Element, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, Heavy Metal, um, The Fly. So they let me basically create an interpretive design for every one of their shows. and they would print a large one and put it out in the street marquee, and then they would we would print small 11 by 14s and sell them at the screenings. So as the year went on, um, people were coming back to see what the poster was every every month, and it, it became like a nice little project that I did. And then by putting those online, probably DeviantArt at the time, um, I got the attention of Mondo, and they offered me um, – to be part of their Star Wars series and their Star Trek series that they kicked off in 2010. Oh, dude, I didn't know you were, you did Star Wars posters back then. So which movies did you get to do for that first run? They did characters. I think it was all character based for Star Wars. So I got Jabba the Hutt. So that was my, like a first official licensed work was a Star Wars poster, which is still crazy to me. Every time Star Wars work comes down the pike, it's still always a a thrill for me because I'm such a big fan. And for, Star Trek, they were doing it by episode, so I got to do Journey to Babel. Oh, right on! That's awesome, dude. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, uh, like a great kickoff to to working with them, and I'm still, you know, I just talked to them tonight. I'm still 
I still do stuff very frequently for them. Um, they're just, they're so much fun to work for. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, if you work with Star Wars, right? And now yeah. st- they're owned by uh, Disney, basically, does that help open the door for other projects like your Disney posters or, or the Marvel well, stuff? It was Mondo that pretty much bridged the gap between once they got this the Star Trek and Star Wars done, then they they had just gotten the license to do Disney posters, and they asked me to do Steamboat Willie. So that was my first Disney work for them, and then that turned into a series of I don't know maybe ten or fifteen posters for them uh, in Disney, you know, using a Disney license. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many branches to those large companies like Lucasfilm and Disney, that sometimes a, a completely different team handles approvals on on one and then handles approvals on another. So there's definitely a lot of, it's pretty cool because there's a lot of cross-pollination in guys that are my age. I'm, I'm just about 45. So a lot of people who grew up with the same things, doing watching and, and enjoying the same things I love, now they're in positions in these companies that they can hire me to do the stuff that they love to do. So it's, it's, it's a really good um, groove to be in right now. Absolutely. Plus, you're also at that point where the people who like the same things you like are most likely making the kinds of money where they can just be like, yes, yes I want yep. a $50 large poster of that childhood icon on my exactly. wall. Yep. Yeah. Where do you find some of your inspiration? And it's like specifically going back to your style, I don't think that I would ever say that I've seen your style represented even before I knew you. So I'm like curious, did you immediately start gravitating towards this um, multi-shaded but two-color, two to three-color? <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, your, no, you know, I, your, your work that I'm seeing today. Yeah, I, it's, you know, it's funny. I really think, and I, I spoke about this in the sci-fi piece a little bit, um, I remember being being so comic book based. That's what got me hooked on art, and what I really felt passionate about drawing when I was a kid. And what's it's what it's what inspired me. Um, I wanted to be a comic book artist from sixth grade till college, and I can remember being in probably sophomore year of college in a letter forms class. And I would every every project that I had to draw something, I would render it and t- like try to put so much detail in it. And I can remember a professor saying, you know, this basically stay in your lane. Like it, it wasn't my strong suit. I was over, I was overworking stuff. And he, he said, you need to be more graphic. And that rang such a bell to me when I figured out what he was saying. Like you can tell a a story with a lot less lines and a lot cleaner and a lot stronger. And, and, and for me that works. I mean, there's, I still read comics and love comics and there's guys that just blow my mind, but I realized that's not my, that's not where I belong. Um, I, I have a lot more control and a lot more, I can do a lot more with simple color and, and flat shapes and, and minimal color. I think it makes it more striking, right? Especially some of those high contrast, but also very colorful shapes that are right, right next to each other. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. I, I put a lot of emphasis on color palettes and a lot of people ask how, how I pick them. And I really, I can't put a finger on it. It just, it, when it feels right, it feels right. But uh, the color color to me is a big deal. And I I, I bought a, a bunch of books on, on color mixing and, and palettes to use. And I, I, I think they were a good 
training wheels. Uh, but now I, I kind of, I really just do it by feel and, and just make sure it's, I don't, I don't think it feels, it doesn't, it's not hard to make it feel uniquely mine because I, I, it, it doesn't come, it comes easy to me. I know what looks good to me and what doesn't. So if it feels good, it's, it fits my style and I, it, that's how I arrive at the solutions. Oh man, I'd see it. I'm like looking at your wall right now, right? Your, uh, not your wall. It's like a wall. <laughs> your website, uh, yeah. right now has just basically a, almost like wallpaper of all of your work. And it's just like, I see, uh, my neighbor Totoro on there. There's a spider ham pin, Black Panthers over there. You've got Pixies posters, which is uh, like seriously the one you did of the ultra, like Ultraman Tiga, I think, or or an ultra like oh, right. character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, that's like very strong, high contrast work that you're doing with the the motion. Is yep. just it that Pixies poster blew me away, and I'll be sending. Uh, I'll be sending. I'll I'll be posting some of these, not as images, but you know highlights that you can go okay i want to see the pixies poster and click on that in the show notes uh so that you listeners can see what i'm talking about oh cool yeah absolutely i want them to be able to see this wall of, of <laughs> artwork it's so cool judge dread ninja turtles i know that it, was the judge dread one was so much fun i think that was further it was whatever anniversary was like two or three years ago have there ever been any projects that you have just been like pinch me i can't believe i'm working on this I, I have to say, and even though I am not, I don't, I was out of the correct age range for uh, Power Rangers when they were, when they were big in the nineties. I, I just had no connection to them, but working on, I'm working on the packaging for the new line of Hasbro toys. And that, it's just so crazy to me. I'm a big toy collector. So just to be able to like the, the sites that I read every day. Uh, to get my info on what new Star Wars toys are coming out, are like covering the box art that I did for these Power Ranger toys. It's it is it's very surreal. That is super cool. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. Are there any properties that you are specifically like interested in working with that you haven't yet? Oh my goodness, there's been so much that I have worked on. Um, I I always say I would love to do. Uh, I've done a few covers for Marvel, so I'd like to do a few uh, for DC. I've done a bunch of uh, work for IDW comics. I, I, I do enjoy it, being that that's where I got my start. I, I love to jump in and do I, – I, I'm terrible at doing sequential <laughs> sequential artwork. Like somebody like uh, – I love Matt Frank's work. And I know he's been on, on the show before. And his work is just fantastic. But I have no, no business trying to do sequential or storytelling <laughs> work. But uh, co- covers appeal to me. So I, I guess I'll throw out DC covers as, a, as a, something I'd love to do. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love your, I mean, basically your style lends itself to a, um, yeah, that single image. Yeah. Yep. I have to say before we move on to the next question, you have so much stuff on here that it's like, you basically have a box full of nerd on your page <laughs> here. I mean, I could keep going. I love your Miyazaki stuff, you know, the stuff from Studio Ghibli. And Thank you. you've got this, uh, Secret of the Sword poster for He-Man and She-Ra. It looks just amazing. Thank you. Uh, that was, again, another childhood favorite that, like, so much fun to work on. Super cool. Uh, so let's talk about monsters again. Yeah. I know you have, so let's talk a little bit about it. You did a Godzilla poster for Mondo. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, because it, I thought it was a cool idea. That it, was, it wasn't just 
one poster, technically. Yeah, right. Well, a lot of times, with for those not familiar with Mondo, they do typically, when you design a poster for them, they will produce it, what's called a regular um, edition. And then there's usually some kind of, they, if, if the edi- regular edition, just as a, as a example, is 300 copies. They, they usually print, screen print 300 copies. And they're limited edition, and when they're gone, they're gone. And in addition to that, they will do a variant edition, which is maybe a different colorway, um, and it's produced in much less numbers. So maybe there's only 100 of the variant, and they're a little bit more expensive, and they're a little harder to get. And a, a lot of times, collectors want to get something that's a little bit more exclusive, less copies go, to go around. So what we did for Godzilla in that vein was... I did the Japanese uh, title treatment for the main poster, and then for the variant, uh, and the main poster, the regular edition was oranges and reds and grays. We just completely flipped the image, mirror flipped it, and then I used the um, American title, Godzilla King of the Monsters, in English at the bottom. So that was like the, the variant was, one was Japanese and one was English, and I'm pretty sure there's a year on that, so I changed the year, so... If you want to hang both of them, they kind of work as as bookends. Nice. Yeah, they're really cool. And again, these will get linked to in the show notes, of course. Seeing your work today, seeing your work back in 2010, it's really cool to notice that sort of evolution. I know I keep saying that, but uh, I'm just infinitely impressed with your work, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. In fact, listeners, I was so impressed with Tom's work that I think it's time for us to talk about our special project. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so I reached out, like I said, I reached out to Tom in 2010, and then uh, he had did not hear anything from me for many, many, many years. <laughs> uh, and then I, last year, at the end of the year, I was kind of like, hey, I uh, don't know if you know the podcast or not, but we're coming up on our 10th anniversary, and I'm not sure if you'd be interested, but... I'm looking for an artist to do some really cool poster image for us. And Tom basically said, yeah, I listen and I'm in. And uh, we have, I mean, we, I don't, (laughs) Tom has whipped up a fantastic image with some monstrous likenesses on it. And uh, these will be available as soon as the episode goes online. So if you're listening to this, you know, wait till the end of the conversation, obviously, but go to the <laughs> show notes, click that link that will take you to the poster, and you can buy your own Kaiju Cast 10th anniversary poster. And uh, it's screen printed by DL Screen Printing in Seattle, Washington. Tom, tell me a little bit about, I don't want you to tell me what it was like to hear from me, but no, I'm, just, I'm <laughs> like, what was it like to start working on this poster, the, the Kaiju Cast poster? It was a blast. I, I took. Um, archetypes from kaiju movies. So we have the lizard-like monster in the center and the ultra character, the ultra-style character on the left and the mecha-style character on the right. And it, it was so much fun. And the insect, the flying insect, we, it was so much fun to just kind of incorporate all those archetypes into one cohesive design to celebrate the, the your 10th year anniversary and kind of tie it in at the bottom with some radio waves and, and an old old school microphone. So it's fun for me to kind of do a, a composition like that where it's so much cool stuff just jammed in all together and, and able to able to be a small part of this 
thing you have going. So I, I, I again, I really appreciate the the offer to, and, and that you thought of me for this. Oh, dude, you were choice number one. I was like, <laughs> I was talking to people earlier, like uh, last year, because you know, I don't. I don't plan everything all the time, but for the 10th anniversary, I was like, oh, we're going to do some cool stuff this next year. So I got to do the, like all these ideas. And I was sort of bouncing a lot of those ideas off of my co-hosts. And I was like, so I'm thinking about this guy. And I posted a bunch of your images in our planning group. Okay. And um, like <laughs> the response was overwhelmingly, oh my God, you know, just really... <laughs> And then I think I followed that up with something along the lines of, he said yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even, that's makes me even feel better that, that it was, it was well received with everyone. Oh, well, very well received. I mean, seriously, I haven't shown the poster to very many people at all, but the reaction from just about everybody is like, wow, when can I get that? That's awesome. That's so good. Yeah, and we did this in a color choice that really fits your style. Uh, sort of like blues and oranges, I guess you could say. Yep, yep. It it really does. Um, pretty indicative of a color palette that I would I would choose. And I don't know if you know this. I I actually did a screen printed poster for the Kaiju Cast the very first year. Oh no, that's crazy. Yeah, I like totally like bit on the old Billiken model kit. Uh -huh. designs and so i did like a kaiju cast poster and uh i was like wow i really like this design i, I wonder if i can get it screen printed because i think this was right around the time i was also discovering mondo stuff <laughs> and i was like oh how interesting would it be for me to go to my first convention and sell an exclusive screen printed poster <laughs> i probably sold like three I, I know that I know that I know the drill. I, I got started the same way. I, I was doing a mini comic with a friend and um, we were so pumped to go and we sold like uh, probably three. And um, but the, 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 the bug, it, it, it lit the fire. So where do you see your next projects going? I don't I, you know, it's funny. People ask me where. Like how when I speak to college students or high school students, they always ask like they're always curious where the work comes from. And I don't like thankfully, I'm so thankful that there is an a, like I, I have a, a healthy slate of work at all times. Um, I don't I, I can never predict where it's going. It's just it it's there's so much fun stuff coming up that um like the packaging right now with, with the Power Rangers, um, that has I I, I kind of tend to think that there's going to be more packaging work coming as a result of that. So uh, I, I would say posters are always going to be there for me and always going to be a part of what I do. But right now it feels like some corporate work um, is is kind of going to take up a lot of my time in in 2019. As far as after that, I don't. I, I guess I should have some kind of master plan, but uh, I just take it as it comes, and and I'm thankful when it when it comes, and that it comes. So, I'm just um, gonna say right now, legendary, you should be talking to this guy in, <laughs> in May at least. If you if you're not gonna be talking to him in 2020 for the King Kong Godzilla fight. Oh, I would love to. And you know, it's funny. I actually. I had contact with Michael Daugherty, who directed King of the Monsters, the, the new upcoming um, Godzilla movie. He reached out to me as a result of that um, 
first Friday Fright Night series at the Colonial, I did Trick or Treat. And he, he saw it online and asked if he could get a few copies. So I sent them to him. This was probably 2010. Um, so I, I've had the itch to like reach out and, and see if there's anything he needed for this new, new film. But it's probably, knowing how production goes on uh, merchandising, it's probably well, well sorted out by now. Well, I'm going to just cross my fingers for the following one then. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah let's, let's, let's do that. Actually, we were talking earlier, you said you would love to work with Toho proper, right? Yeah, I mean, the the Godzilla poster I did for Mondo, my goal at that point was, I, I my first question was, how many monsters can I do? And the the feedback was only Godzilla. You could do any style you wanted, any, any iteration of him, but that was the only monster they were licensing. Mm-hmm. And I probably did that poster in 2014 or 2015. Um. So I would love to be able to go back and and do my treatment of, if not every film, uh, at least a lot of the different monsters throughout the Toho Godzilla era. Oh my gosh, dude! You would make like the best DVD cover artist to yeah, do an that's, entire that's, run of yeah. impossible Godzilla movies. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I think that's where I would probably be the best, like like media packaging design because. To do a poster for each one, I don't know if people really need a poster for every film, but I think to have slipcases or a box set would be so much fun. So you mentioned the packaging design for the Power Rangers stuff. Is that uh, already out in stores? Are you in production now? Uh, they just announced it at um, Toy Fair like two or three weeks ago. Oh, right so I on. Think, cool. Yeah, the um, the actual toys, I think, hit in April. They, they're they up for pre-order now. and. The, I, I do have to tip my hat to uh, the team at Hasbro. They they came up with all the packaging, all the design, and the layout, and the, the a beautiful box design. And they kind of let me have my have my run at the character. So I, I'm really just doing the character designs um, for those for those packaging. But it it's just so exciting to see a complete toy packaged with with my artwork on it. That it's pretty humbling and and fun. Yeah, that's awesome. It combines. At least two of your loves, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then what other properties like interest you just in general? Maybe not of the pop culture realm. Is there anything outside of you know our normal nerdy stuff that we talk about that you're like, oh, man, I'd really love to do some work for? I've, I've loved to... I'd love to do a, a children's book. I know, I know there's so much work, and I don't have the idea... I know, I know you can, uh, these days it's, you can kind of do your own thing and Kickstarter it or try to pitch it. But, uh, I mean, it seems like a fun project. I just, I don't have the idea that I want to, that I feel like is worthy of launching that. But that's, that's like a long-term goal. Right on. Yeah. Children's books are, uh, lucrative, right? Like if you do a really good one, I think, I think so. if, yeah, if it's, yeah, I guess that's, the, that's the, that's the hook. If it's really good and it blows up. Yeah. I think, I think it would do, it, it would probably, you'd probably do pretty well. That's a cool Avenue. I think when I first, well, I know that when I first went into college, there was not a sequential art major at the Savannah College of Art and Design. So I was like, I guess I'll choose illustration. <laughs> and, uh, uh, my intro to illustration teacher was not for me, but um, I totally was thinking like, oh, maybe I'll do like kids illustration. So it would be awesome to see more of your expansion into other realms like that. Yeah, I think that would be that's definitely one untapped realm 
that I would I would enjoy doing. And I also do I do some work for Target. I do uh, gift card design for them occasionally, and that's that's super fun too. And that's a at, again that's a thrill to walk in a Target and and see your artwork. And the kids, my kids love. That's the first stop they make whenever they go to a Target. Let's see if there's new cards are here. <laughs> that, that's cute. That's <laughs> super. Yeah, that's really fun. Very nice, man. Let's talk some more monster stuff. Are you excited about the new movie coming out? The I new am Godzilla very, movie? very excited. This looks really fun. What's your favorite of the quattro that we know? Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and Ghidra. Um, I'm very excited by Rodan's design. I, I would have to say Ghidra looks so menacing and huge. Um, I, uh, probably Ghidra. Nice. Are they are they going with Ghidra or Ghidorah? I, I guess it's Ghidra. Ooh, that's one. that's interesting. I don't know. I don't say Ghidorah because I didn't grow up with the um with that dub. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like I was actually looking at something the other day, and uh, someone posted a meme or something that said it's actually Ghidorah, and it was like um like Wingardium Leviosa from the Harry Potter movies. So it was Hermione telling someone how to pronounce Ghidorah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, that's not right go. at all. <laughs> Here we go. Somebody's wrong on the Internet and I got to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to pronounce it. I've actually been sort of I've stayed away from a lot of the trailers and stuff. So yeah. I've only seen the the first time they had the really big one that showed all the monsters. Yeah, I saw that one. Honestly, Rodan, I think, looks the best in the movie. I agree. I mean, he... So, I mean, let's be honest. That is the best look he's ever had. Yeah, at least since 1956, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm one of those guys that will be like, you know, the original design of Rodan was incredible for the time he came out. And, like, the fact that he he never looked that good in any of the other Toho movies, it's just really sad. <laughs> yeah, you know, I never realized, I didn't realize that till recently, that he, as a kid, I never, it never clicked for me, but I didn't realize he looked that different in his film than he do, do, does in the, the movies with Godzilla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, I think I didn't even really register it until I started doing the podcast embarrassing probably but i was like uh yeah i picked up like the x plus figure and i was like wow his beak really is quite different wow his yep. eyes are totally different yeah um, that's on my short list of x plus um needs is the is the 56 one ooh yeah i actually really would love to have the 56 rodan Especially one that just came out. Now to get all toy nerdy on the listeners. Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, they reissued one recently, and I I missed the window <laughs> for okay. ordering it. But I'm yeah. hoping eventually it comes out again. But yeah, I'm I'm super excited for the new film. I, I don't I I kind of forget where, from listening where you stand on the 2014 Godzilla. Yeah, I don't like the 2014 Godzilla, and um, it was a movie that when it first came out, I was like, whoo. That was awesome because it wasn't the bad 98 film. And then as time went on, I because I saw it like five or six times in the theater. Yep. But I kept watching it and I was like, yeah, I don't really like these characters. And, you know, keep watching it and be like, wow, yeah, even Brian Cranston is just like turning it up to 12. That sounds like Phantom Menace Syndrome. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened to me. You talk yourself into loving it, and then as time goes on, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm hoping this new one comes out and it's going to be good. This, I hope, I hope this is what I was expecting with the first one. I don't, I definitely don't dislike the first one. I I, I can say I like it. 
and the, the fight scenes are great. I always have a problem with when a studio takes an established property mm-hmm. and they make up villains when there's a just a plethora of villains available and made and, and waiting. Um, the, the Mutos were okay, but I would, I'm super excited to see at least four now classic Toho designs. Oh, yeah, totally. I know a lot of people that were like really, really psyched that their childhood heroes are coming back. Yeah. And it like, it's not just coming back, like it's coming out in Japan and it will be released here and we'll get to see it. It's like for everyone. It's to the masses here. It's like you can take your mom and dad to see it and, you know, it's, it'll be available everywhere. And, oh, yeah. And get, and get a good push. Totally. You could take your coworkers that would probably think you're a crazy nerd yeah, for exactly. loving the, the movies from the seventies <laughs> or whatever, and then they'd be like, Wow, that was a that was a good Godzilla film. Yeah, it legitimizes it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And and honestly, I really do hope that the next movie is good because, you know, the the first film, I like I said, I'm not a fan right now. Yeah. Uh but they did a lot of things that I, they took a lot of elements that I didn't like from the first film and they either got rid of those elements or they brought in things to replace them. And so I'm kind of like, all right, you've got me back to ground zero at least. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm with you. I, and I think I'm sure people, everybody, there, nothing is perfect and nothing is, is internet proof, but um, I, I, I have high hopes for this one. It's pro- I would say it's probably my most, between that and and episode nine for Star Wars is probably my most anticipated movie of the year. Fantastic! Yeah, are you looking forward to anything coming out from Japan these days? I am interested, and in, I, I, I'm assuming the Netflix Ultraman is uh, Japanese produced. Is it was that re, is that released there, and Netflix is just distributing it? I think it's very similar to the Godzilla anime, and yeah, it's getting a release in Japan and America. Okay, that that has me interested. And again, I I'm so out of touch with what Ultraman has evolved into because I see him fighting in that in the trailer, and he's human size. And I know, I I just I'm lost about what what's going on there. But yeah. it, it has me intrigued. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to see how they pull that off. I have the yeah. very first manga volume that that show is based on, and okay. in that manga, I don't remember much happening i I mean i remember what happens in the manga in that actual book but like i don't remember too much fighting going on in that one i think it was more of an introductory thing so i i will recognize things that happen in the show with the the very first episode i'm sure but then everything else is going to be brand new to me got it i'm looking forward to that i'm also actually netflix has done a pretty bang up job of bringing over some japanese properties uh we talked one time on the podcast about devil man crybaby I think it's what it's called, which was really interesting, really okay. interesting. And I think almost entirely done hand-drawn animation. Oh, wow. I, I may have to check that out. Yeah. Also, if, uh, you know, if you haven't checked it out and you have the access to it, you can see SSSS Gridman on Crunchyroll, which is like okay. an Ultraman spinoff. Okay. Gridman was actually a show that came out. Uh, it was called Superhuman Samurai Squad, I think, when they released it here in America. But Gridman, as an anime, is super fun. And uh, as a Transformers fan, I think you would also like that, too. Oh, okay. You just piqued my interest. Yeah, so totally worth checking out as well. 
uh, let's see, what else do I want to talk to you about? (laughs) (laughs) I could probably talk to you forever about all sorts of nerdy, awesome stuff. Uh, But I'm going to go ahead and let you go, man. Once again, listeners, please do run out to your webpage, your web browser right now and go buy this 18 by 24 juicy KaijuCast (laughs) 10th anniversary print by Mr. Tom Whalen. Thank you so much, dude, for doing that and for being on the show. No problem. This was an honor to be on here. And uh, thanks again for for inviting me to be part of the 10-year festivities. So happy to have you here. So happy to have you be part of the festivities. And so happy to share the love I have of your work with the listeners. So listeners, make sure you go out there and check out those show notes. And Tom, hopefully we'll see you out here in Portland sometime, man. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I, I love to travel for work. So I uh, next time I'm up there, I'm going to look you up. Do it. We will hang <laughs> out and talk about giant monsters or watch a giant monster movie on my big screen. All right. I'm down. Cool, dude. Uh, well, again, thanks so much. And I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Allow me to once again send a huge kaiju-sized thank you to Tom Whalen for being part of this episode and part of our 10th anniversary celebration. Now's the time, people. Go to the show notes, follow the link to the poster page, and place those orders. The fine print here is that each poster is 18 by 24 inches, a standard poster size for ease of framing, you guys, and it's screen printed on 100-pound Cougar Natural Paper. Additionally, this run is a limited edition of 100 posters, and because of that, we're limiting the sales to two per customer. The cost of each poster is $30 and $10 for shipping, which is why sales are also limited to the U.S. Now, if you'd like to place an order for a poster and you live in a different country, we will need to calculate the postage based on your location. So please send me an email, controller at kaijucast.com, with a subject line of 10th anniversary poster, and make sure you include your shipping address so that we can let you know the total. Finally, I don't normally say things like, these will sell out, because generally that's not been the case. But in this case, don't snooze on these. We will not be making more of these posters, but if you like the design enough to wear a shirt, definitely stay tuned for our next anniversary project. Now, we will be back with an episode later this month dedicated to the 1966 Ultra Q with special guest Derek M. Cook from Monster Kid Radio. That's at the end of the month. So until then, get those posters ordered and Jamata.
Cougar Natural. I'm just kidding. I don't have anything to say there. 